What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. I hope everyone's having a great week so far. We got two topics that we're going to be discussing today. First off, you know we got to start with the PGA Tours investment deal that they announced this week. Up to $3 billion, some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment are involved in the deal. So we're going to break it down, including what this all means for their eventual potential merger with Live Golf. And then number two, we're going to be talking about Greg Olson. Greg Olson has come onto the scene as of late as one of the top broadcasters in all of sports, but he's going to be losing his job this year and being demoted to the number two spot on Fox because of Tom Brady's lucrative arrival at the network. So I'll break down the economics behind some of these contracts on the broadcasting side of networks like CBS and Fox and ESPN. And we'll talk about Greg Olson's upcoming contract dilemma and what I think he should do. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. But before we get into it, let's quickly hear from today's sponsor. All right, so let's start with the PGA Tour today. Now, it's no secret, we all know, Live Golf has upended professional golf over the last three years. Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, and the list goes on and on and on. The Saudi-backed golf league has spent billions to earn millions luring major winners away from the PGA Tour with nine-figure contracts in hopes of creating a new global professional golf tour. There have been so many lawsuits, it's difficult to keep track, with the PGA Tour spending more money on legal fees in 2022, $21 million, than it did in the previous 10 years combined, $16 million. The verbal attacks have been constant, both in private and public. Sponsors are pulling out of tournaments, leaderboards are feeling diluted, and the PGA Tour's counterpunches have done nothing to slow the threat. But this week, the PGA Tour and Commissioner Jay Monahan finally landed a punch. The PGA Tour has finalized an agreement with Strategic Sports Group, we'll call them SSG, creating a new for-profit entity called PGA Tour Enterprises. SSG will invest up to $3 billion into the new company, valuing the business at a reported $12 billion and allowing the PGA Tour to maintain a majority ownership stake and control of the board. This new investment group includes some of the most influential people in U.S. sports. We're talking about John Henry, owner of the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool FC, Arthur Blank, owner of the Atlanta Falcons, Wick Grosbeck, owner of the Boston Celtics, Steve Cohen with the New York Mets, Mark Lazary with the Milwaukee Bucks, and a bunch of other people too. I mean, even LeBron is involved in this, Rich Paul, a bunch of other investors and athletes as well. It feels like parts of this deal could change at any minute. For example, Chicago Cubs owner Tom Ricketts reportedly dropped out of the deal at the 11th hour. And I've heard from several people that many of the details, including everything from the final valuation to the financial commitment from individual investors, are still being sorted out. But most importantly, this deal provides the PGA Tour with much-needed capital. The PGA Tour will primarily use the $3 billion for two things. Number one. They're going to use it to eliminate the need for future capital calls by fully funding the prize money for all PGA Tour events for the next five years. And number two, they will create an equity compensation plan, eventually paying out $1.5 billion in new company equity to 180 qualifying PGA Tour players. Now, there's some nuance to this, of course. A large percentage of that equity, we'll call it $700 million according to Dan Rapitor of Barstool, will be split among the top 36 PGA Tour players on career accomplishments, recent achievements, and more. 
while the rest of the equity, call it $800 million, will be split among the remaining 144 players. So obviously, it's a little bit top way to hear the 36 PGA Tour players are going to make significantly more money than anyone who's ranked maybe 50th or 100th or 144th. But all of those players are going to get paid in some sort or fashion. It'll take us a little while to determine kind of how this equity is handed out. Maybe the PGA Tour players receive payouts on a descending scale, like what you would find at a tournament via the prize money. Or perhaps it's done in a more equalized manner. Regardless, it's safe to say that the biggest names on the PGA Tour, the best golfers, we're talking about you know, Tiger Woods, obviously. He moves the needle with just his name. We're talking about Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, guys like that. Those guys are going to be receiving tens of millions of dollars in equity as long as they stay on the PGA Tour. This is fundamentally different than live golf. Players will have to wait years for the PGA Tour's new equity compensation to vest. It's unclear how much liquidity there would be on the secondary market if players wanted to cash out and sell their shares. And virtually all of the PGA Tour's top 50 players would receive a higher offer in cash from Live Golf. Again, we've already seen this with the offers that have reportedly been made to Tiger Woods, guys like Will Zalatoris, and a bunch of other players too. Now, that's why many people are going to say this is a bad deal. They'll say it does nothing to unify professional golf. They'll talk about how the $3 billion is a drop in the bucket for Saudi Arabia. They'll say Commissioner Jay Monahan should not be in charge of the new company, especially after increasing his annual compensation from $13.9 million in 2021 to $18.6 million in 2022, despite the PGA Tour being in a worse spot than potentially ever before. And they'll most definitely talk about how this complicates the proposed merger with Live Golf. Now, these people aren't wrong. The PGA Tour has been negotiating a merger with Live Golf for nearly nine months. They already missed one deadline and instead decided to put together a different deal with an entirely new investment group that took a fraction of the time to put together. So do they really want to merge? Or is this the PGA Tour preparing for war? The $3 billion investment gives the PGA Tour leverage for the first time ever against Live Golf. They will use the money to retain talent by locking big name players up with multi-year equity vesting agreements just like you would see in the startup world. The money also creates a clear path for live players to rejoin the PGA Tour. Live golfers can keep their Saudi money, but they don't get any of the PGA Tour equity. And most importantly, it makes Saudi Arabia's demands of control, money, and board seats that much less threatening than they were before. This might not be the deal that everyone wanted, but that doesn't make it a bad deal. In fact, I would argue it's a good deal. The $12 billion valuation is higher than many people would have expected. The PGA Tour's best players will be incentivized to stay long-term. And the investment group that they got in on this literally couldn't be better. From Fenway Sports Group to Steve Cohen, Mark Lazary, and everyone else, the PGA Tour now has more money, they have more power, and they have more intellectual capital on their side. And that's a good place to be, especially going up against someone like Saudi Arabia and Live Golf. All right, the next topic we're going to be talking about today are these massive sports broadcasting contracts that have come up over the last few years, and specifically Greg Olson's upcoming contract dilemma with Fox. So look, it's no secret that Greg Olson is good at his job, like really good. The former All-Pro NFL tight end is one of the few NFL analysts on television today that everyone either loves or at least doesn't hate. He isn't polarizing, he's always prepared. And he has this like weird innate ability to educate viewers by breaking down complex situations into digestible 
sound bites. I mean, this stuff isn't easy. He only has a couple seconds to talk usually in between plays, and he does an incredible job of educating viewers in a non-condescending way. Now, this wasn't supposed to happen. Greg Olson only received the top NFL analyst spot at Fox because ESPN paid $165 million to poach Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Fox responded by signing Tom Brady to a record-breaking 10-year, $375 million contract, more than he made his entire 23-year NFL career. And the network plugged Olson into the booth as a holdover until Brady retired and was ready to take over the broadcasting gig. But Olson, he's making it difficult for Fox. He has quickly become one of the best analysts in football. He called the most-watched Super Bowl of all time last year. And at a $10 million annual salary, he is cheaper than any other number one analyst on the market today, like Tom Brady at $37.5 million a year, Troy Aikman at $18 million a year, and Tony Romo at $17.5 million a year. Now, taking a backseat to Brady would be a raw deal for Greg Olson. His $10 million contract will reportedly drop to $3 million as a number two analyst and he would be leaving his partner in crime, Kevin Burkhart, to announce less popular games beneath Tom Brady. But what other option does Greg Olson have? Is Fox really going to let a good analyst that everyone likes walk away? And what happens if Tom Brady isn't any good? Well, one theory is that Tom Brady won't end up taking the job, as he has already delayed his scheduled start date by a year, and he's pretty busy on the business side. That's not going to happen, though. Brady has been doing training sessions with his future partner, Kevin Burkhart, at Fox Studios in Los Angeles. He was spotted having dinner with Aaron Andrews and other Fox executives late last year. Brady has worked with Troy Aikman to prepare for the role, and he genuinely sounds excited about the opportunity. He was on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week, and he said, I spoke to a lot of broadcasters, learning from them. It's been a lot of fun. I've got great notes. I could probably write a broadcasting playbook at this point but it's been something that I've challenged myself with, and I look forward to calling games for Fox starting in September. So obviously it sounds like Tom Brady is going to be in the booth calling games with Kevin Burkhart. So what other options does Greg Olson have? Well, of course, he could look at other jobs. Greg Olson's contract with Fox allows him to leave, penalty-free, if another number one analyst job opens up. But where is he going to go? Tony Romo is locked in for another four years with CBS. Troy Aikman isn't leaving ESPN anytime soon. Chris Collinsworth is still under contract at NBC for a few more years. And Amazon seems to be really happy with Kirk Herbstreit. Instead, the best option for Greg Olson is to sit tight and play the long game. His success will allow him to renegotiate a contract with Fox worth more than his prearranged $3 million annual salary, which is significantly more than the standard $1 million paycheck for number two analysts, and something that Fox would probably be happy to pay to get him to stay. Olsen will still get to call some really good games, as Fox has one of the most extensive NFL packages, and their number two games each week are still relatively good. Furthermore, his presumptive number new partner, Joe Davis, has quickly risen the ranks at Fox, and the two of them should have great chemistry right off the bat. Now, it's important to remember that this stuff is fluid. Maybe Tom Brady will get bored after a few years and want to explore NFL ownership again. Maybe Kirk Herbstreit gets tired of traveling across the country every week for Thursday night football, college game day, and ABC's primetime college football game on Saturday nights. Heck, maybe even Greg Olson himself decides he wants to get into coaching or an NFL front office, leaving broadcasting altogether. My point is that no one knows what is going to happen. I imagine getting demoted to the number two broadcast is a deflating feeling especially after winning an Emmy Award for emerging on-air talent during your first season in the number one booth. 
But Greg Olson is a hot commodity right now, and that's a good place to be. Broadcasting contracts have exploded in value over the last few years. This is because networks like CBS, Fox, and NBC are paying the NFL $100 billion in media rights over the next decade. These companies charge a ridiculously high price for 30-second commercials, between $400,000 for a regular season game, and $7 million for the Super Bowl. And the thought process is simple. An extra $30 million in annual salaries, or 1.5% on a $2 billion fee that you're paying the NFL, is worth it to create the best possible viewer experience. So again, my suggestion would be to sit tight. Greg Olson is only 38 years old, and he has a lot of runway ahead of him. He will be the number one target for any openings that come up, regardless of what the network is. And history tells us he'll be back in a number one booth within three to four years. That's it for today, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do me a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, just share it with a friend. The other thing I would mention too is that there is a new Microsoft Teams group that I've been promoting over the last couple of months. Hundreds of you have joined so far. And if you want to talk to other like-minded people that talk about sports business every single day, go to the link in the episode description and you can find a way to join the Microsoft Teams group. Other than that, I hope everyone has a great weekend and we'll talk on Monday.